This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Well, hello and welcome back to the e-commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters, Head of Retail Strategy at Acadia. And today I'm excited to be joined by one of our wonderful clients at Acadia, Sege Gebrahenis from Nature's Way. Welcome to the show, Sege. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So I'll just read out your your bio real quick because um, we're going to get into a little bit of your career background as well. But uh, Sege is the Senior Manager of Digital Experience at Nature's Way Canada. Sege manages both the e-commerce side of the business as well as overall digital strategy and execution for the organization. Although she now manages a varied team made up of e-commerce salespeople, digital content, including social media and our customer service experience, her background has been in traditional CPG brand marketing and before that coming from an advertising agency background. Sege has been with Nature's Way Canada for now almost eight years. So for those, um, anyone who's not familiar with Nature's Way as a, as a company, as a brand, could you share a little bit more about Nature's Way, Sege? Sure. Yeah. So Nature's Way Canada, we're a natural health product company. That's what we call them in Canada. Um, it's a heavy regulated uh, industry here. So I think in the US, it'd be sort of vitamins and supplements is what we sell. So um, we've been operating for over 50 years and we're actually a subsidiary of the Nature's Way US business and our parent company is um, Schwab in North America. Um, but yeah, so we're a large retailer um, selling things like vitamins, herbal supplements, omega-3s. We're just focused on sort of a consumer experience. And, and my team itself is, like I said, digital and experience. So um, we're sort of set up as a center of excellence model. So we're not, we don't roll up to marketing or sales. My team is a real hybrid, like you said, of sales and marketing people. And we're focused largely on sort of the e-commerce business and digital output, digital content, um, et cetera. And that's relatively new for us. So it's, you know, just shy of two years ago where I was sort of put in this position to lead the team and operate in that way. That's great. And and what are your sort of, for the company in general, maybe outside of, of your team's scope, what are the main sales channels for Nature's Way? Sure. Yeah. So here in Canada, you can find us in sort of every major uh, sales channel. So we are sort of in traditional brick and mortar with business at sort of Costco, Walmart, um, again, Canadian market. So we're talking Loblaw, Shoppers Drug Mart, Sobeys. Um, and then, of course, Amazon as a big e-commerce uh, platform for us, but also other e-commerce retailers like well.ca, Fullscript, which is a closed-looped e-commerce business um, that I believe exists both in Canada and the U.S., and then um, the sort of uh, retailer.ca businesses as well, so the Costco.ca's, shopperstrongmark.ca's of the world as well. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I asked this question, I've started asking this question over the last six months or so, and it's always in, an interesting point of the conversation, but was there a sliding doors moment in your career that led you to where you are today? Yeah, this is a great question. I I would say it was not so much a moment, but sort of a sliding doors progression for me. So like I said, I'm a, I'm a marketer by trade. So that's what my um, degrees are in, it's my background. I started in advertising. I thought I would be in advertising forever. 
then I sort of happened to get an opportunity on the client side, as we called it, on sort of CPG brands. And I went there and I thought, this is where I'm going to be. But when I was with Nature's, like I said, I've been here almost eight years, but um, sort of later in my time on the brand team in Nature's Way, our Amazon business really started to get a bit more focus in the organization. And I found that I was really drawn to it. So e-commerce in general, and this is before we had a sort of a larger structure around sort of an e-commerce, like I said, sort of sort of a center of excellence model of sort of a whole e-commerce digital team. Um, so there was sort of like the brand team and the sales team. And there's people on the sales team that focus on e-com. And on the brand side, I just found myself drawn to the e-commerce side of the business. I really loved the ecosystem that was just sort of not just traditional sales. I felt like you couldn't just do, you know, at the time what you would be doing um, more traditional retail, which is sort of focusing on sort of your promotional strategy and your space on shelf, et cetera. There were so many other components to it. And like I said, I was sort of raising my hand for projects on the e-commerce side when I was on the brand side. We were actually joking about this last week at a meeting, which is like I was sort of leaning into it, doing projects before I was given this role. And then when it came time to kind of really hone in on this sort of area of the business, it was, I think, noticed that I had shown sort of keen interests earlier. And so I got to sort of lead the team. But yeah, definitely when I was on the brand side, I got myself very wrapped up in the Amazon business. <laughs> and it wasn't really my business, to be honest. <laughs> so uh, yeah. That's great. How did you make your um, interest known? I, I, you know, I did a few presentations about, and I was sort of raising my hand, kind of flagging and trying to educate the rest of the organization on what the Amazon ecosystem was. So I remember doing a presentation on Prime and how, you know, it is such a big um, brand awareness platform, actually, that this is like, you know, even if it's not, um, you know, a conversion focused execution for a brand, using it as a platform for awareness, the amount of traffic on the, so on the site. So I was sort of always sort of championing this notion of like, we should be thinking about it as much of a sort of a marketing platform as well as a sales platform, and then actually that making them work together in a way that's most effective. So I found that I was often, you know, I think probably at that time leaning heavily towards sort of the benefit to brand is what I was championing more than anything. But overall, I think I was just kind of saying like, we should be taking this more seriously. <laughs> I think yeah. that's my message. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That education opening doors is a real, is a big common theme. Like if you can, if you can educate internally, then it really shows that you, you need to know something in order to be able to teach it, right? So yeah, I, I have really, that's probably been the most rewarding part of this role and my time here, which is like, I have found in my career that digital and the e-commerce space can be sort of an intimidating business for maybe the people who are more used to traditional business. Yeah. And I found it really rewarding to show that actually it's not actually, it's like, it's, it just takes some time and some um, experience in it. And anyone can do it if you're willing to sort of pay attention and teach yourself. And so I have found it to be, it's been one of my main objectives in my organization to try to fold in more of the business to try and help people understand better how this ecosystem works. It doesn't usually impress me when I feel like it's like only the digital team is so sophisticated that they understand this thing. It's not to me a, a strength when it's that way. I think that the more the broader organization can sort of take in and feel comfortable in this space, the better we'll do as an organization, as a brand. So I love it. I love to make things simplify it for anybody who's willing to listen. So. That's great. Well, let's jump into the, the topic that 
we've been, you and I have been talking about for at least a year now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is random factory brands. And I'll just sort of give a quick definition for anyone who's unfamiliar with that term. And then we can jump into your experience on the, on the brand side with this. But in many categories, I, I guess that there's a few that would be exceptions to this rule, like actual food products. Um, but a lot of across a lot of categories, national brands are seeing a proliferation of direct factory direct brands, you know, brands that have no other distribution outside of Amazon. They may have weird names that are just all consonants impossible to pronounce. And it's like someone mashed their hand on the keyboard and registered it with the USPTO. That's sort of the, <laughs> um, the general feel of it. And because they are factory direct, they can be very aggressive with price and they are, you know, copycat products in, in a lot of ways. So a lot of brands in the you know apparel space are seeing this in consumer electronics and toys and even in the, the health and wellness and supplements category as well. So it's become a real concern because they are competitive, they are you know very much value oriented um, they're getting more sophisticated over time as well I think that that is a, a you know a, um, a a bit of a barrier for, for a while for brands was consumers are, are too smart they're not going to take them seriously and they can't run ads and they don't have a brand and they don't they can't do content guess what they can <laughs> and um, they they can they have access to the same advertising tools as you do. They have access to the same content tools as you do. And now with AI in particular, um, content creating nice looking um, native English content is easier than it has ever been before. So it's become a real threat to brands in a lot of categories. And I know this is something that you faced a few years ago at Nature's Way. So I'd love to get into know the beginning of that story and how you first noticed some of these random factory brands popping up in your uh, as new competitors for nature's way yeah so i think um you brought up good points in terms of like we sort of definitely underestimated this kind of phenomenon um to your i think you made the point about distribution right it's like again just part of sort of our evolution of education in the e-commerce space which is that we really went into that space thinking that okay this is just another channel similar dynamics right it's like we have these competitors they have all the shelf space here here and here and so those are the people we also want to compete against in this space and it's true they're there to the bigger competitors um but i think our entire lens and strategy was focused on that and we were quite like dismissive of smaller brands <laughs> and um i think also there is a bit of i think real like fair hesitation on our part which is that in canada natural health products are really regulated so it's not so easy for a brand to just sort of show up and not be following the regulations and so yet another reason why we could sort of not take them as seriously um so i think those two things together made us think oh even if they pop up they can't like consumers won't trust it right they, they, if they don't see it on the shelf of the store that they normally go to they're not also just going to go buy it in e-commerce and so we have one of our um, subcategories that we're outside in the brick and mortar space. We're dominant. It's a niche category. So it's one that, you know, we focus in on it. We've dominated in terms of um, share. And, you know, we started to see a couple brands pop up that we couldn't find anywhere in store, couldn't find anywhere um, else. So we thought, you know, what a sweet little brand. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
and we thought exactly good for them you know like we didn't take it seriously didn't take it seriously I remember doing um a test purchase too just because I thought oh great branding like let me check it out like genuinely just not thinking it was a serious threat just thinking oh let me learn a little bit more about it and then of course slowly but surely um they started to erode our share significantly and then they uh usurped us basically so they became the number one brand in e-commerce um, was it were, were they price was the price difference a significant part of that could you give us like relative you know dollar yeah absolutely so I would say they had about a it was I think at the time I'm sorry it's changed quite a bit because we've changed our strategy but I think at the time they had like a 25 percent um uh difference between our price and their price so just significantly better pricing product quality again for the educated consumer not as good genuinely not as um, if you're an educated consumer of that category, you would know that, you know, from a potency perspective, from the components, it didn't match up. But for the day-to-day consumer, even me, as before I was in this industry, definitely would have thought it was comparable. Um, so, you know, again, under thought, you know, our consumers are more educated than that. They'll know, they'll see through this. And um, they didn't, you know, it was a good, it was a good product. It wasn't just a, you know, a complete garbage product either. So they thought that's good enough. And they did a real, they were very dominant, very aggressive in their, what we can tell from their advertising spend. So um, yeah, we definitely uh, learned it the hard way. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that it's sort of the, wolf in sheep's clothing combined with um and and thank you for being like so candid with this a little bit of hubris that you know people have got you know they don't know what we know and consumers are going to know better and that's not really our competitor um and then it started to genuinely erode your share and sit up and take notice so what were what was your approach from from there they're at a 25% discount they're starting to erode your share how do you actually how did you go into battle with this new competitor? Well, I think um, I think first and foremost, the thing that it taught us that we could take into the rest of the organization was that we really it it really made us stand up and make sure that we were looking at each of our channels differently, right? So not just e-commerce versus brick and mortar. It was very much like, okay, who are the competitors at this key customer group at this key customer, and what are our strategies to tackle that? So. I think it was a really good lesson for us overall as an organization. I think we've done a good job of um, making sure we've really learned it. In terms of how we actually targeted that brand, we actually started to target them in terms of like content and the way we positioned our products, right? It's like we could see the gaps in their product offering. We could see sort of why they did, we didn't think it could stack up, what was not as good about them. But we weren't targeting our content and our advertising or our um, messaging to kind of go toe to toe with them, we were doing it versus the sort of what we saw as the bigger brands from brick and mortar kind of thing. So we very much changed our, you know, from format, you know, they had a particular format that we were pushing that we kind of had deprioritized on our end. And so we went ahead and just sort of structured our, the way we positioned our product from a messaging perspective, from a format perspective, pricing, all of that more around who was actually the dominant, who was actually the top competitor in that space, which was this particular brand. So just to throw some examples out there and and you don't have to be specific, but would it be something like on the product detail page, having an us versus them comparison, even if it's not calling out that brand, but say 
our product has, you know, this many units of this active ingredient compared to some competitors that only have this? Would you be as Absolutely. Over as yeah, exactly. So we didn't we didn't go so far as to sort of like show a bottle, you know, when you see those competitors. Yeah, you don't want to give them that credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we weren't we weren't so forward, but yes, very very much like educate on the components of the product edge make sure the consumer understands like these are the active ingredients this is actually what you're looking for we have the most of it these other brands don't um and just sort of reinforcing that message and also hey did you know that we offer this format we weren't pushing one of our formats that we thought was like you know if consumer wants it it wasn't our top um we offer different formats and uh, all of our products so we were sort of starting to push that format that they were pushing to say like, here's an alternative and it's been effective so far. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen this also in, in the CPG space, actually most, most dominantly where, you know, it's the thumbnail that points out the difference in pack size or quantity or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that to actually show we've got more in our packet or we've got, you know, it's a bigger pack size or a sm- or a more convenient pack size or whatever that is. So it can go across the content on the page. You mentioned advertising as well. It's where you can lean into the message and even in that thumbnail image to call out the competitive differences. Yeah, exactly. And even, you know, we're talking title, content, yeah. eight plus, like we, we, we really did a sort of a, it took a new look at the way we were sort of, putting forth this product to consumers um, in that channel to say, hey, actually, we we are a better version of, of this. Whereas before we were not even, we were sort of saying we're a version of this other stuff kind of thing. So, right. Yeah. And you mentioned that the either your assortment or pricing strategy has changed since then. Is that something you can share? Was that in response to the random factory brands at all? Yeah, we did. Some of it was, um, we did sort of relook at sort of what our value proposition was. And part of it was just actually communicating our value proposition too. So we started to sort of lean more into that, knowing that that was sort of their big thing that they were um, doing better than us. They were sort of positioning themselves as a better value, better value. And so they also had, you know, they honestly, they had great branding. They did like just really strong, authentic branding. We also changed our product strategy in terms of, you know, we had a pretty broad portfolio even for this niche category and they were really zoomed in on sort of one or two, you know what I mean? Like they were just honed in on that and, uh, it made us sort of um, make some good. It didn't mean in terms of like, again, because this is a larger brand for us outside of the e-commerce space. So it wasn't sort of like a skew rat situation. It was more like, okay, well, what do we focus on in this channel versus sort of focusing on our entire portfolio? Have any of those random factory brand competitors move beyond Amazon? That's a good question. Um, Not that I know of. Okay. Not that I know of so far. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, yeah, and and it is whether they do or don't. To your point about looking at what's our competitive set across different channels, not just are they at you know being sold at GNC or the vitamin mm-hmm. shop or you know what other key retailers, Walmart. Um, it's still important to take that. The, the fact that they're doing really well on Amazon very seriously, even if they're not sold anywhere else. Totally. Yeah. And um, we don't want to be surprised with them like we were at, on Amazon. Right. So, <laughs> so, you know, just kind of understanding the entire ecosystem of competitors versus um, sort of what we've always known as the yeah. competitors. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, 
in enclosing this loop here, Sergey, what advice would you have for your peers at other companies as they start seeing these pop up or they're trying to communicate, you know, the importance of this issue to their exact team to take it seriously? Yeah, I think I think the whole what we were talking about earlier, but just sort of like educating the rest of the teams about the e-commerce space and Amazon in particular is so key to this because it's hard to take it seriously unless you fully understand sort of the power of that channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I know I made a joke about sort of us having the hubris, but it, it's genuine. It's like, you know, we've had how many years of experience in these sort of big box retailers, brick and mortar. And so people are used to this. And so they think of it like that as like, you know, shelf space is dominant. So if mm. people don't have shelf space, then how big could they possibly be? And so just understanding the role that Amazon is playing in the in the retail ecosystem now, um, I think is a big part of it. So first and foremost, just, that's just a benefit of the whole organization, having a better understanding of um, that ecosystem. And then what I would say is, again, it the big lesson it taught us is just like look at each of your channels each of your major retailers as sort of a separate ecosystem and make sure that you're the way what you're doing in those spaces is actually uh, sort of well equipping you for exactly what's going on in that particular space not sort of a broader strategy if that makes mm. sense yeah 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 I th- and i think that we will over time see brick and mortar retailers embrace these brands as well and there's you know, the, the example that everyone calls out is Anka, the consumer electronics brand with the, mm. you know, charging cables and things like that. And and there have been a few other ones like um, Kusori is one that mm. I, you know, that make the rice cookers and instant pot appliances. I've got a Kusori kettle. It's 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 great. And Hero Cosmetics was a was another one that started. They had the acne treatments. Mm-hmm. Started on Amazon. Now is in Target and things like that as well. So these brands do sometimes transcend. I mean, the the examples that I personally am aware of are very very few. But if you think about a Walmart, for example, with a value oriented customer and they're looking to source brands that are value oriented, why would they not like? start picking off the t- the top selling brands on their marketplace or looking at what's what's hot on Amazon and and stocking those it's just it's kind of a no-brainer it is um I, I think we will see more of that absolutely right it's like the, these retailers are the same as us as brands which is like they want to satisfy the consumer, right? It's like they yeah. want that share. They want to, um, you know, they're just as sort of customer or consumer obsessed as we are. Like, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think that is a great point. And I think that um, if you get an early start to knowing how to sort of position yourself to sort of defend yourself against these brands, then um, that's all for the, it's just so all for the best, for sure. Yeah. You know, what's a real, really interesting is, um, a few years ago, when Amazon started launching their own private label brands, and they launched a bunch of them, if you remember, like mm-hmm. apparel, just every everything, and, and they registered all these different brands. They didn't make it necessarily super clear that they were Amazon brands at the time, but there was a wonderful website, just not in existence anymore, called This Just In, and they were tracking all of the different private label brands from Amazon and the, the trademarks and, and things like that and all the different categories that they'd entered into. And 
the national brands got so upset about it. It felt so personal because, mm-hmm. and then you'd start to see reports in the New York Times that Amazon was using sale, you know, sales data from national brands to actually identify top selling products and basically rip them off. And that was such a, there was such a visceral reaction from brands because Amazon, who's supposed to be their partner, was using the sales data to rip off their products, which has been happening forever in brick and water retail, by the way. And it was taken right. very, very seriously. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was like just highly offensive. Mm. Um, and then when, you know, th- a lot of those brands just didn't work out and Amazon sort of stepped away in a, in a big way from that business and they still have the Amazon Basics brand and a handful of others that are in a few different categories. But they've stepped away from that because from, I think partly, in my opinion, from a PR standpoint, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. They were just getting mm-hmm. so much negative PR about ripping off you know, in, innovations, especially from small businesses. But what's interesting to me is, Amazon did all that, got a huge reaction. But with the random factory brands, the same, a lot of the same brands are not really taking them as seriously. It's just a very curious kind of. Um, well, it makes sense, though, right? Because when you're seeing Amazon come out with your with their own competitor brands, it's Amazon. You know, mm-hmm. it is like it's just like you know, it's Walmart, it's Costco. Sure. It is. A, it is. You know, you know, they've got the stamina, the fun. Yep, that's to, true. To wait. So. I, you know, like I made a joke about us having the hubris, but like, it's, it's not, you know, we have, you're dealing with so many decisions and so many battlefields every day as, as, uh, as uh, brand owners, as organizations. And so to pick your battles is totally fair. Like, you know, I think it is not, um, I don't want to be dismissive of some of these brands. Some of these brands are probably like, we are, you know, we're already fighting the big ones with deep pockets. You know, we can't fight every little um, one, but I think I think my advice to them would be to sort of keep an eye on the ones that are bubbling up. You know what I mean? Don't yeah. you know? Make sure that you are keeping one eye on what's going on there, and when it seems when it warrants it, you know, make sure that you're um, stepping up to to yeah. uh, target them. Um, but you're right; you can't go like how many random factory brands have gone nowhere, right? So I think, uh, and uh, I think it's I think it's fair. And uh, we'll see how this evolves for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing your experience here. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience today? No, I mean this is great. I think um, you know we're uh, if you're ever looking for uh, natural health products here in Canada, obviously pick up a Nature's Way product. We're uh, and yeah, that's it. Really, we're uh, we're just um, having some fun in the e-commerce space. And so uh, thanks for having me. It was great to chat. Great to chat. All right.